now alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi. Here's your host, Nick Brooks. <laughs> All right, welcome inside. This is GameWorks, Newport on the Levee. It's not head coach Jared Scaldi. He'll be here in just a bit. Instead, please welcome the man that skated in his 300th professional game. He is a two-time Kelly Cup champion, wearing number nine, Matthew Aubin. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks again. for being with us. Alongside Rob Roberts, I'm Nick Brunker. We also have Brian Foster, who'll be with us in just a bit as well to talk about all things Cyclones between now and the top of the hour. A couple games against Toledo this weekend, Friday and Saturday. A couple of headlines and notes first and foremost. Uh, on f uh, Friday and Saturday, the Cyclones will be against the Walleye. And then, of course, as the weeks uh, move along towards the Christmas season and uh, we get past Christmas, there'll be another watch party coming up at the end of the month while the Cyclones are in Toledo. That is pertinent because that is the only way now you can get on the Paps Party Express. They are all sold out. So if you want to be a member of uh, the uh, contingent of Cyclones fans that will be with us in Chicago in January to get a ticket to that trip on the PBR Party Express, you have to go to the watch parties. The next one will be at Max Pizza, and that will be on the, uh, the last Friday of uh, 2011, the 30th, as the Cyclones take on Toledo in Toledo. I guess we'll start with Matthew Aban, and we can take your questions as well. If you want to ask Matthew a question, you can grab the live mic. We will move forward with that. And uh, certainly any other questions that you have for us, we'll be happy to answer. Plus, we'll talk a little bit about some news that is uh, spinning around the NHL regarding division realignment. It's interesting. It'll bring up a, a debate that Rob and I and uh, Coach Scotty will talk about in uh, just a few minutes. But I guess, Matthew, first and foremost, we were talking before we went on the air about that 300th game that you played in uh, on Saturday. And it's amazing that... You know, on a daily basis, there's so many things that hockey players have to do to get ready. Does it feel like you've played 300 games in your career? No, it doesn't feel like this. Uh, it goes by so fast. I mean, uh, you start the year and then you close your eyes, you open them again, and the season is, is already over. So uh, you have to enjoy it. And I mean, I enjoy every time, uh, every day I play hockey. So uh, that's why I keep doing this. Let's bring you back to the summertime where you have a chance to to kind of see where things are at. You've been in Cincinnati a long time. This is going to be your, this is your fifth tour of duty with the Cyclones. Uh, what made you want to come back again as you continue your career? Because obviously there are options, uh, but you've loved to stay in Cincinnati. You won two cups. What made you want to come back again? Uh, I think I, I, like, I like everything about Cincinnati. I, I like the coaching staff. Uh, I like uh, how uh, we're being treated uh, with Bob and uh, Berkey. Uh, obviously the fans uh, are great. And uh, there's a lot of things to do too, other than hockey, you know, because uh, when you're off the ice, sometimes you have to uh, clear your minds a, a little bit. So yeah. there's a lot to do, a lot to do here. So I really like it here. When you uh, first came into Cincinnati, you're probably like a bunch of other players that are making their first trip in, and you kind of don't really know where to go, what to do. It, it seems like now you're the, if you were, if there was such a thing as a concierge for the team, meaning <laughs> the party planner uh, or the activities planner. That falls on your shoulders, it seems like, these days. Do you, do you like that role, and have you embraced it? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it, uh, yeah, I get a lot of texts like, from all the guys and you guys to know what's going on, what's going on at night after games. I, I mean, it's, uh, it's, um, I just need to be ready for that. I don't mind it. I mean, I like to be around the guys, and uh, I like to take care of the rookies a little bit and uh, show them around and show them their role like, of uh, like pro hockey because they're new to it. So, uh, I mean, I really don't mind it. I, uh, I embrace it. Rob? Speaking of, you've played your 300 games. You've got a couple of cups. Pretty young team. You're definitely the uh, veteran by far. Do you take it upon yourself to kind of show the young guys on the ice the ropes, or do you kind of let them, you know, or do you lead 
more by example than by voice? Uh, I mean, I, I do both. I think I, I want to play good and work hard for them to see that, uh, like, how hard you have to be to uh, succeed at the pro level. But, I mean, they, they always come up to me and, uh, like, Owenly and all those guys, they, they ask us questions about how is it, uh, what they should do about a bunch of situations. So I just want to... To give them what I think and uh, to show them the, the right way to do it. You kind of embrace that role as a veteran leader on this team? Yeah, oh yeah, I, I like it. I mean, uh, the, we have a great team, great like young group of guys, but it's fun. I mean, it's fun to try to help the young guys and uh, show them what I've been through since uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I was young with them. Now you got all the young guys. Do you happen to play a little uh, rookie hazing, a little uh, rookie jokes on them to kind of break them in a little bit? Uh, I mean, I, I like to do jokes a lot, but I, I, I do joke on anybody, veteran, rookies, it doesn't matter, coaches. So uh, I'm not too, <laughs> not too worried about who I'm making a joke on. Now with the, the types of pranks that you've pulled over the years, is there a prank that you would say stands alone as the best one you've ever done that you can say in front of the audience that we have here? Hmm. Uh, no, my, my pranks are X-rated. You know, I cannot uh, <laughs> talk about them. But no, I, I'm, more, I'm not really a prank. I'm more like of a joker. You know, I like to make mm -hmm. jokes. I like to make people laugh in the room and everything. I, I don't really do pranks as a, I mean, like a big, like, plan prank sure but i i'm gonna like chirp like make fun of the guys it's like at any point of the day if anything funny happened i'm gonna mention it to them to them and like try to make everybody laugh rob speaking of which uh do you do any impersonations and the reason i say that is because uh Scotty got a little heated on, on the game saturday night uh, behind the bench on that uh, offside called a little bit now is that something that you would do let's say an impersonation of him during a practice and get a little hot no what i would do though is like, i was uh, i had a little giggle in my head when that was happening uh <laughs> <laughs> like i mean i was i was mad too at the call and everything but seeing scaldi like this it was uh it was funny it was frustrating the call but it was really funny to see to me anyway because i i like funny situation like this so i uh Really enjoyed that part. For those that may be a little bit confused as to what exactly happened, it was about as blatant as it was going to be. Too many men on the ice. There was an extra forward in the zone who had to just skate all the way back from the Cyclones end. It was in the second. All the way back through the his own zone, offensive zone, then go back to the bench in front of the linesman, no less, and they didn't call it. So uh, I'm sure Coach Scaldi, when he does get here, uh, will address that as we move through. Uh, when you talk about all of the things you've done in your career, certainly winning two cups, I would imagine, is, is towards the top of your list. Uh, and we had this brief conversation before, uh, before uh, what was it, Saturday's game uh, for our intermission interview. And we talked about all the different moments you've had outside of the cups, because I think those, that goes without saying. Is there one moment for you that stands out as your favorite hockey moment? Uh, yeah, like my first uh, preseason with the Montreal Canadiens is my, uh, I mean, after the Kelly Cups and the Calder Cup I won in, uh, in Hamilton. Uh, that's my favorite moment. I mean, in front of all my family, all my friends, uh, it was like a packed house at the, the Bell Center in Montreal. It was just craziness, you know. It, it, it's nothing. It's something you cannot really explain how it is, but it's. I will always remember uh, that first game. You're one of the many players on this team, not only just this year, but over the years that has, have had a hockey-rich bloodline. Your father played for many years. Tell me about growing up around the game and, and how that shaped the way you play and the way you act off the ice as well. Uh, I mean, there's two sides to have like a dad that plays in the NHL. There's the side that he can help you out. He can teach you the tricks. He can teach you all to do the things right and everything and there's the other side that everybody always talks about your dad whatever you do yeah. i mean i was junior doing like a good games and all they were saying was oh all my dad did better and everything so i mean it, it I, but i really like it i mean i he gave me so much like um 
good uh, good tricks for my career and uh, helped me out so much. So I'm, I'm glad that he, uh, he was in the NHL. Okay, let's talk about the season because we've had a chance to kind of break things down with Coach Scaldi on a daily basis around this time of the show. Uh, and with him not here yet, uh, apparently will join us here shortly. Well, let's discuss the week that was. A couple of games against your former assistant coach, Dean Stork, in Greenville. You pick up uh, three points out of a possible four, a shootout loss Tuesday, and a thrilling come from behind, or not come from behind, but a, a back and forth battle. Almost felt like <laughs> yeah. a come from behind Saturday, 6 yeah. 5. Um, the way the season has gone, it, it almost feels like you were in those types of games every single night. And finally, on Saturday, you were able to pick up that win despite kind of falling back into a groove. Uh, what did it mean for the room? confidence-wise to win that type of a game instead of losing? Oh, it was huge. I mean, <clears throat> we deserve to win so many of those close games that we lost, and it's so frustrating. You go back in the room after games, and everybody is frustrated, frustrated and uh, we look at each other like not knowing what's going on almost. Like we dominate teams, and then we lose by one on something that always something happened. But, I mean, that, huge, uh, that win was huge, especially with them having a, huge, like a big lineup that night, and we had like a short lineup. I mean, I think we just had a, to battle the whole games, and it really feel good to be on the winning end of that, of that game. We'll take your questions as well. Matthew will be with us as we move through the hour, as well as Brian Foster. He is standing by to talk with us as well. Uh, the other thing that I think is, is interesting to talk about is the leadership uh, in the locker room, because now you're wearing an A, uh, as you have all season long, and you kind of, uh, as Rob alluded to, just being, being a leader, both on and off the ice, I've talked about this with Coach Scaldi several times. It seems like everybody in that room has the ability to lead. Although you wear the A, it's a pretty, uh, a pretty well tight knit group that, that have a lot of leaders besides yourself as well. Oh yeah, we have a bunch of uh, leaders in this uh, uh, locker room, and I mean even the young guys like they already like they, they do so much for the team, and they, we all help each other because we all know we're very young. We don't have that much like veteran presence like myself, and like, all the other guys are almost called up. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, we just put it uh, among us, ourselves to uh, just all be leaders and do like, the right thing every time we can because uh, we want to win every game. So. In case you uh, were not able to follow all the news and notes that happened throughout the day, it's been a very busy day roster-wise. Chris Cahill returns from Milwaukee, at least for today. Uh, the other news, of course, some of those other three players, Jeremy Claver, one of which Tyler Fletcher, um, not going to be with us, at least for during the week. There is an expectation, as Coach Scaldi will mention, uh, at least for now, the expectation is those guys will be back uh, by the weekend, but they have games in Knoxville to play in the SBHL. So as they are released today, uh, it's not a situation where we may not see them again. There's a likelihood, although nothing official, that over the weekend we will see them back on the roster. The other big news of the day, and it was probably the highlight of my personal day today, uh, was interacting with Daniel Koger, who was called up for the very first time in his professional career to the St. John's Ice Caps, uh, the Winnipeg Jets' uh, top farm system in Newfoundland. Uh, and it happened very quickly. Um, and you having a chance to play with Daniel, you can kind of attest to, to his growth over the, the previous weeks and months. Uh, I have not seen somebody uh, be so excited for a call-up in my professional career. Uh, there was a point in time when on the phone with Coach Scaldi, it sounded like uh, Daniel was going to break uh, into tears. He was so excited that uh, he was going to be uh, making his first appearance in the American Hockey League. He would then had to fly almost literally down the highway to get to U.S. Bank Arena to pick up his gear and then go to the airport to catch his flight to Newfoundland. Uh, he walked in. He was practically hyperventilating. He was fired up. He had to sign his contract. Uh, his uh, PTO, if you will, professional triad agreement, and get down to the airport all in time 
uh, to make it up there for uh, for this week of work. There is no real expectation on a day-to-day basis, and I'm sure Coach Scaldi, who is now apparently en route to the to the place, uh, will be. Uh, whether or not he's going to be back with us is kind of up to Koger. Uh, if he plays well, the idea is that he'll be up there. But again, that's kind of how it is for every call-up. So we're just going to kind of play it by ear. Back to your situation with Daniel having played on his line, sitting next to him in the locker room. Uh, you've gotten to know him pretty well over the, the weeks and months. Tell me about what uh, it meant for somebody like you, a veteran, to watch somebody like that get uh, get his opportunity after working so hard to get there. Oh, yeah. I mean, me and uh, me and Daniel have been together uh, since day one of the training camp. I mean, he's always in my apartment. It's annoying a little bit. <laughs> but, I, I mean, he's always like me, beside me in the locker room, like I said. But uh, we become so good friends already in like a month and a half or whatever, two yeah. months. And it's uh, he's been growing, like you said, as a hockey player. Like, yeah. he started slow a little bit, and now like, he's just on a tear right now. And it's feels good to be on his line because, uh, I mean, I've been playing every game with him and uh, I've been seeing all good. He's being more confident and he's been playing unreal right now and I'm very glad for him that he got called up. Well, you got to have good players on your line to get him the puck. He's scoring, you're scoring, everybody's happy. Yeah, that, that's all it is. I mean, uh, even on the line with Pelly there, uh, yeah. I think we're, us three, we're, we're doing so good, but now we're going to have to... Uh, try on with a new line again that's how uh, pro hockey works I mean you're with someone one day and then who knows who's gonna get called up who's gonna get sent down so but I'm very very glad I was on the phone with him for like a, a little bit after he got called up he was so excited like you said and uh, he's gonna text me for sure right after the game and something I don't know if they're playing this week but I know that Wenley's team is going in Newfoundland this weekend so yeah. his first American League game might be against uh, Brian O'Henley would be very uh, very fitting in that case yeah. Rob you had a question Kind of going off of that, I mean, it seems like every day there's just a transaction, just sheet, just full of people coming up and coming mm-hmm. down. Talk about how that can affect you on your line, because hockey is really a game of chemistry. You get used to playing with a few guys, and all of a sudden they're gone, and you have new guys. Talk about how you transition and, and how you work with the new guys in practice to be able to have you guys ready to go for a game. Yeah, I mean, it's huge on practice. When like like this, I, I felt like me and Koger had a great connection, like coming out this week, and now that he's up, I'm going to have, like, at practice to – We'll, we'll see tomorrow who I'm going to be uh, match up with my line now, and uh, we're just going to talk and uh, see what we can do to uh, get like a chemistry right away because we need it. We cannot, like there's no time to uh, lose like at this level. I mean, we play Friday, we need a win, so I mean we don't have time to not have a chemistry. So we need to do it right away, uh, first thing in practice tomorrow, and uh, start working. Talk about how mu- how important the communication is more on the ice when you're not from because you, if you're familiar with lines, it means you don't need to talk as much. So talk about how the communication on the ice, how you guys communicate to get on the same page. Yeah, that's true. I mean, when you don't play with someone that much, I mean, talking on the ice is gonna help. Uh, it's gonna help you out for sure. I mean, if you don't talk to someone that you don't really use to play, then you're not really gonna know where he is on the ice. But I mean, me and Daniel were starting to really find each other out there. But I mean, I can't like. I'm going to make it work with anybody. I, I mean, we, we have to, so yeah. that's what it is. As much as you talk about Daniel, another guy that was the hero on Saturday, uh, again, perhaps coaches show karma, if you will, Anthony Luciani, three-point night. Uh, it was his second two-goal uh, night of the season as he picked up the game winner with just over a minute and a half or just under a minute and a half uh, to go on Saturday. A very, very nice highlight reel goal in a game, again, that, that really – almost boiled down to that one moment where okay which team is going to get that break that they needed uh and it luckily was cincinnati and and uh for the the people on the bench that that saw that type of a goal a hustle play worked his way down the slot and then was able to backhand a shot into the shelf uh that that was a pretty goal you have to be impressed oh yeah well i mean the the funny thing about this i saw luciani 
take the puck and go, and I see him like do his thing that he moves the puck like so, like so much time. I was like, uh oh, what, what's gonna happen here? And I see him do it nice. I'm like, whoa, whoa. And then he just scored like such a nice goal, and on the bench, everybody just jumped and started cheering so hard because I mean, we needed that goal so much, and it was very important for us. And I'm and I'm glad that he did it. Now, did you see a celebration? Uh, it is did, celebration. Did you see it? No, no, no. I was jumping around like uh, it was. <laughs> it was. It was one of the funniest celebrations ever. I mean, really? Without, I, I don't mean to do it, but basically, he was like a conductor in an orchestra, moving his hands oh, back and forth to the is, crowd. Right? It was pretty funny, I will admit, and uh, one of the funnier ones. Now, speaking of celebrations, uh, you tend to be the type of guy, at least from what I understand, is that you celebrate kind of just by going to your your group of guys, high fiving. You may have one hand in the air. Have you ever done a, a celebration that you? You wish you hadn't. Uh, in junior, of course, I, I've been celebrating all over the place in junior, and I there's a bunch of videos like of me celebrating junior, and I see this right now, and I <laughs> Shake your I head. think of myself like, oh my god, why do I do <laughs> stuff like that? So right now, when I score, I'm just happy to go see, uh, I guess the guy that just made the pass, because I mean, the pass on the goal is as much important as who scored it. So I mean. Uh, well, I mean, sometimes, like, if it's a big goal, sometimes I'm going to be overexcited and maybe do, like, a little something, but that, that's about it. Your offense continues to be one of those back and forth. You really know the shots are going to come on a nightly basis. It was just, the, I think it was the fourth time. I'd have to look it up. It's in the stat pack. Fourth or fifth time all season that the opposition has had more shots, although it was only by one on Saturday. What can you attribute as a player to the amount of shots on goal you're getting? And answer the question that I think there are people that, that bring that, this up. Quality versus quantity. Do you feel like you're getting the quality shots? Uh, I feel, I mean, we get a lot of shots sometimes, but that maybe are not that much quality shots, like you said, but they're always important. You never know where the rebound's gonna go. You don't know, like if you crash, like we, our mentality is to crash a net at people around the net. Mm -hmm. So I mean, even if it's a weak shot or a bad angle shot, you never know what the goalie, like always gonna get the rebound maybe. So I mean, there's, there's opinion. My opinion is, is always good to shoot, but there's people that says you need to like take your moment to shoot. But uh, the more shot you get, like, if you don't shut, you're never going to score. So mm -hmm. that's what I think. Well, when you think about the way the offense has gone, the other word that Jared Scaldi has used with us, and I'm sure he'll talk about it as well, is consistency. That's the one word that, that seems to float to the top amongst the others. Uh, as a player in the system, what, uh, what would you say about consistency and how you personally can, can be consistent on a nightly basis? How do you do it? All right, it's, it's a hard thing to do. Uh, being cons consistent is probably the best quality that a hockey player can have, uh, being good night in and night out. And uh, it's, you just need to do your routine, be focused, do what you need, what you do when you perform. And I mean, that's all you can do, work hard. And uh, be, I guess be consistent. It's a, it's a hard, very hard thing to, to do. What about Toledo? This is a, a week where you're going to face them twice, once there on uh, Friday night at the Huntington Center and another one here. It, it seems to me that the walleye, kind of like the Express, uh, are a team that you could have won almost all of your meetings against them, uh, either a bad stretch of time, whether it's 30 seconds, whether it's 15 seconds, whether it's two minutes, that that decided the game in almost all of the matchups. Uh, with that said, going into the weekend, what kind of things do you know? What kind of things do you think about uh, when you're going to face this same club that you've been so close but not quite been able to get over the hump? 
I mean, just to be confident, I guess. I, we know we can beat this team because we've been, we've been so close to beat them every game. And uh, we're just going to go there and expecting to win because that, that's what we need to do. And, uh, I mean, they're a beatable team. We, like, every team are beatable. But, I mean, we showed, like, they know that we came so close every game to yeah. beat them. And, I mean, we have a good team, and we're going to go there ready on Friday because uh, those two games this weekend are huge for us. Now, you, you alluded to it during our uh, documentary preseason when we had the cameras in the room. You were quite the feature on that. You were on the, on the camera quite a bit, not surprising. Uh, one of the things that, that we talk about and we talked about, about you know, off the ice stuff is video gaming. This is one of the best that there is. Uh, we were just having a uh, talk about this. You are ranked in the world on Xbox for NHL 12. No, number what out of the thousands and thousands of players. How, how high are you ranked? Uh, as of now, 155, but um, people are going to it's not that good. I mean, <laughs> I, I just, I, I have nothing to do sometimes, so I just uh, play, high, play hockey, NHL. So, I mean, I think playing hockey, real hockey, helps me out, I guess. <laughs> and, I 155th mean, in the world. That's pretty good now. Well, I, I mean, it's, it's, just, uh, it's just video game, though. It's, uh, <laughs> it's nothing very uh, impressive. you got but. a couple of cup rings, too. I mean, you're kind of winning in all angles oh, now. Oh, God, yeah. I, I'm just, yeah. I, like, I like to win. I don't well, like to lose. Two things on the Xbox. One, I didn't know anybody played Xbox anymore, so 155. But the other one, do you find yourself talking any uh, kind of uh, smack when you play online? Mm -hmm. Oh, of course I do. I, <laughs> I, li I like to chirp on the ice, and it, it goes to my Xbox game, too. Like, if I lose a game, I'm just going to send the guy a message and chirp, <laughs> and I get so mad. But, uh, yeah, that, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. So. We will take questions as we move through the hour. Mike Kyle is with us, and we'll have our first question of the night for Matthew Aban. Mike, you go ahead. Hello. You're on. Okay. This is a pretty tough question. Um, you okay. brought it up last week about one-on-one -on -one with the players on the video or NHL. Yes, yes, yes. I thought that was very important to bring that back up tonight. Bring it up to see how many people want tonight, to face off, Matt. For the people who would love to play with uh, Auban. And I would suggest, as one of his many victims on the game, that you take at least a week, just take off work, put vacation time in, and practice for a week before you face off against this guy. Couple weeks, couple weeks. A couple weeks? Yeah. Maybe mm -hmm. 10 days. Yeah, you have to be ready. You yeah. cannot play me not being ready. That, that's not for me. That's not for, you're not gonna try to play? Just some of the fans here tonight. Oh yeah, I'm ready, He's anybody. He's open for the challenge. Thank you. He always says, thank you, Mike. Now can you play on the PS or just the Xbox? Oh, I mean, I could play on the PS, but I don't have one. But uh, so, so you you would take all all kinds. Basically. Oh yeah, I take uh, you know anybody. I'm not um, I'm not picky. You know, I just uh, <laughs> just like to pack up wins and uh, so. Yeah. How many wins do you have? Because there's not. I mean, you are busy. It's not like you have all this time to sit around. Although uh, on off days, maybe like today, you got a few games in. Did you get any games in today? No, no games today. Okay, so how many games would you say you play in a given week? In a given week, yes. Uh, well, it depends how much. Hockey, real hockey games we have, but I mean, uh, I don't want to sound like I play all the time, but uh, maybe like 40, 40 games 50, a week. But, but the thing is uh, about this They're is... They're quick, uh, though. They don't take that long. Well, they could be quick, but then like at a certain moment, they just people quit the game really early because I, I score pretty quick, so like 4-5-0, and then it takes three minutes, so then I can play a bunch of them in a row. So you, you get people that will play and realize they, they don't stand a chance, and they'll just bail. Yeah, so that makes my ratio of playing games like... For the know. record, did I quit? No, just you were getting really lucky, though. 
But it was three nothing. Yeah, I know, but your that goalie. Wasn't that bad. I don't know. Your goalie was doing some weird save that I've never seen before. And Making good saves. Yeah, and the game was. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to play again. Me no, and you. No, definitely, anytime. Now you're also a food connoisseur. You're a, a guy that likes to go out and eat and experience the different foods there are. Uh, one of the places you like to go is up near Fields Earl. It's a time of sushi. Uh, Asian-style restaurant. Tell me about your sushi love and what types of sushi you like the best. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I like Ibachi, um, where they cook in front of us. Uh, we, all, Me and a bunch of the guys go there all the time. But, uh, yeah, I enjoy sushi a lot. That's my favorite uh, type of food. And I like uh, shrimp, uh, salmon, spicy tuna. You know, I'm not, I'm not difficult. I'm not a picky eater. eater. I like uh, every food, I guess. Now, if you it, put food in front of me, I'll eat it. Now, because it's kind of one of those foods that... You either love it or you hate it. Is there a group of guys that, that love it and hate it, or are you trying to be the, the, the impartial third party getting them to jump onto your side? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I chirp them if they don't like it. So No, <laughs> no, no. I mean, m most of the people likes it. I, we, we try to have the most player going every time we go. Just to, It's always fun to have the guys going and like be, it's build the chemistry in the same time to be always together. So Now, one of the questions that we wanted to ask you and didn't did on our intermission report, for those that may not have heard it, uh, growing up, obviously, with your father having played in the NHL, uh, tell me about your favorite player, because certainly the obvious or easy answer would be him, but that's not who it is. Oh, no. My, my favorite player was uh, Maurice Richard. Uh, played for the Montreal Canadian a long, long time ago, but, I mean, he's just uh, an idol for most Quebec hockey player, and uh, it turned out that I really love number nine because of him, because he was wearing number nine, and he... He has a movie actually that is really good. That if, like you know, if no, someone doesn't know about him, they can watch, and it's such a great movie. And all the battle that he had to go through, and everything that he went through to um, to be success successful in the NHL and get all those records and everything is amazing. And not e not even for only for the Quebec uh, hockey player, but the whole province of Quebec is just like a, a big idol. He's probably one of the biggest person that came out of Quebec, so. Now, you're from Quebec, and, and the news isn't really more news, but rumor at this point about possible uh, relocation into Quebec. The, the Nordiques left to go to Colorado, and since then, there's, there's been an absence of hockey there. Winnipeg, obviously, moving uh, back into, into hockey up there. Do you foresee, or, or as somebody who grew up watching hockey in that region, do you foresee the NHL putting a team back there? And if so, is it on the horizon? Do you think it's going to be sooner than later? Uh, I mean, it, it would be so good for hockey, I think, to have a team in Quebec City again. That would be such a rivalry with Montreal. would be unbelievable. Uh, I mean, Quebec is such, like, uh, it's hockey. If you go to Quebec and you don't like hockey, don't go there because uh, <laughs> it's basically all it is to do. It's hockey. Everybody thinks hockey. I mean, if you go anywhere in any place in Quebec, they're going to know every single Montreal hockey player and, uh, well, the Montreal Canadiens hockey player. And, I mean, it would be good for the NHL because, I mean, they would sell out every single game for sure. I mean, they need a new arena, like, for sure. But I, w I would love it to be, like, next year because I would enjoy watching them. I used to love their uniforms, like the Nordiques. Uh -huh. It was unbelievable. Uh, so it would be really good, I think. Well, we'll have to uh, make sure we put our NHL 12 battle on the calendar. Yes. You and I will get another game in, and we hopefully uh, we'll see you on the ice on Friday and Saturday, lighting the lamp a few more times. How about that? Yes, of course. Give it I up for number to. nine, Matthew Aban. Thank you for being with Thank us. You. And we'll come back with the Cyclones goaltender, number 29, Brian Foster. That's coming up next. This is the Coors Light, Jared Scaldi Show on the Cyclones Radio Network. 
You're listening to CyclonesHockey.com. We're back to it. Head coach Jared Scaldi in the house. We'll be talking with him in just a couple of minutes. But right now, we welcome up to the stage for the first time, I think, ever. I don't know if you were with us at all last season on the show. No, I, I, I came in one class here. Yeah. Did you? I yeah. couldn't remember. But this is the first time here, obviously, as he was just recently reassigned to Cincinnati. And a, a good sign. We like to see him back in Cincinnati. Give it up for number 29, your goaltender, Brian Foster. <laughs> Welcome in. Thank you for being with us. Yeah, good to be here. All right, let's talk. The first question I had is when we discussed the other night off the air about how uh, quickly things have progressed for you. Last season, at the beginning of the year, you were in a dogfight in a very, very uh, heated race, if you will, for goaltender position in the Florida system and ended up in Louisiana. Uh, and, and so now here you are a year later. This time last season, you were playing in the CHL. Now you have uh, quite a few games in the American Hockey League under your belt and now back here again after what was an amazing finish to 2010-11. Tell me about how your progress has felt since coming out of college. Oh, it's been great. A great experience. Um, I've been obviously in a lot of different leagues here to start. That's kind of what I expected, but you just have to take it day by day. Uh, you never know what's going to happen, so you never get too high or too low. Mm -hmm. um, just every day you try to battle, and I feel like the, 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 um, where I've been has made me a lot better. Certainly. I mean, it hasn't been an easy road, but... Um, been good for me and I'm, I'm happy I took it. Well, we know about all of the differences that, that come with the different levels, certainly speed. When we talk to forwards, it's amazing because every time that we talk to somebody, there's always a, about the same route they take when they explain what is different about each level, but that's from a player's perspective, a forward or a defenseman. As a goaltender, what is different besides the fact that they're more skilled, more accurate? Is there anything else that, that is different for you and how you prepare? Um, I think, well, being a goalie, I think it's, it's a lot, lot longer. I mean, you see a lot of goalies who don't make it till like, Tim Thomas. He, wasn't, he didn't make it to however old he was. But, um, yeah, obviously, as you get higher in level, it's a player, it's a better, better shots. But um, with better shots, it's more control. So it's a lot more controlled. Um, and I think that it's even easier. But, um, like, the CHL, the e ECHL, I mean, it's... Uh, not, it's just more, you have to be more focused on the puck, and, and it's, a, it's a harder game. Um, I think it's a harder game um, just because of the fact that you have to be focused all the time. You don't, you're not too sure what's going to happen. Um, a lot of players are in and out, so. You were in the American Hockey League to start the season and had a, a goals against average of 355, and it had a lot of games, a lot of, 11 of them under your belt. Uh, and you mentioned the, the extra work that has to go in, the extra focus. Uh, I would imagine, too, that it becomes a situation where you've got to be very, very astute as to where you put the puck after maybe a shot on net. Instead of uh, rebounding in a certain area, you've got to focus even harder to make sure that it doesn't go off of your pad or your stick into that scoring box because in the ECHL, oftentimes, instead of two chances, they're going to get three, maybe four. It just depends on the game and it depends on the situation. How does that make uh, uh, the mental game? Because a lot of it is just reading and reacting. Do you have to do a lot of thinking more so than you would otherwise? Um, I think uh, you do. I think this year that's one thing I've been trying to work on, not just staring at the puck. Um, I've had to watch the play a lot more, and that's, that's the big thing I want to work on this year, and I think um, I've been doing that. Um, when I was, I was doing – I started out good and then um, had a couple games that were a little shaky, so I think I just tried to get back to watching the play and how it developed. Yeah. 
And that's one thing coming down here that I really want to work on, just um, reading the play and reacting to that. One of the highlights of your career so far, at least from where I sit, was your 47-save shutout at the end of last season. It was one, win, one game and one win uh, of 12 consecutive starts you had in 2010 and 11. And, and to be honest with you, as the fans actually voted you as the most valuable player uh, in the second half of last season, tell me about what it was like uh, coming in, kind of not necessarily just getting thrown in, but certainly coming and playing and playing a lot and getting the experience of being that everyday starter and finding yourself thrust into a playoff race almost immediately. Yeah, um, I actually, I, I really liked it. I came in here, um, the teammates, I got a lot of support from the teammates. Everyone was playing good in front of me, so that made it easier on me. Um, but I just liked knowing knowing what I was doing. I knew I was going to be playing every night, so I, I was able to prepare for that. And um, I knew the team was going to score when they had to, and um, I knew if I made a big save, they would go down and uh, support me to get that next goal. So, I mean, it was, I had a lot of fun here at the end of the last season, and it was just great. Rob? Getting back to your, your college days and, and how that prepared you, you were a full two-year starter, your junior, your senior year. Your junior year, you, you led your, your squad to the regional finals. Unfortunately, you lost to BC 2-1. But then you turn around and in your senior year, your first team, um, uh, All-America at uh, Hockey East, second team East, All-American. Talk about how that prepared you uh, for the pro game. Um, yeah, I love, like, the path I took, I, I, like I said, it's been great um, going to college from New Hampshire, so it was awesome. Uh, my first two years I didn't play, but I was able to work with the goalie coach there every day, and that made me better, and he really prepared me for those two years that I knew I was going to play. Um, so when I got in there, I was just ready to go and excited for it. Like you said, that first year, the 08, 09, I think, we played North Dakota. Um, it went into OT and 6-5, a huge win, 6-5 uh -huh. win. And I uh, lost to BC. You had a really good team like they do every year. So it was, just, it was just really exciting. Speaking of exciting, talking about you went in the fifth round that 2005 draft before you went to New Hampshire. Talk about how the, that feeling was and how that day went for you. Oh, that was an unbelievable feeling. Um, I wasn't completely sure what was going to happen. So um, when I saw my name come up on the computer, I was just I was so excited and then got a call from Florida and they told me they had drafted me. And um, it was probably one of the best days of my life. All right. Now, the write-up on you says you're a consistent in net, you stay calm, you don't get rattled, rattled in pressure situations. So what do you think you need to work on to be able to take that next step in your career? I think it's just all about maturing. Um, like, like I said, goalies take a long time to mature and make it. And I think every day I just have to be more just maturing, consistent, like I said. I think that's a huge thing that I, if you stay consistent, um, you play good every night, then you're going to go far. So I just want to keep my consistency there and each day just try to get a little better. It's funny because in the dual affiliate system, you have a chance to work sometimes with, with different goalie coaches. At times, Florida will bring their guys in. And then of, of recent time, it, they had Nashville's people here. Ben Vanderklok, who is the assistant goalie coach for, for Nashville, spends most of his time in Milwaukee uh, and then traveling around, obviously, to Cincinnati and elsewhere, uh, was here and came down and obviously was working with Chet as he does, but also had a chance to kind of work with you a bit. Um, when you're working with a goalie coach from a different system in a sense Panthers maybe have a different mentality it's still goaltending 101 in a sense I mean it's still the same stuff being taught maybe a different way does that affect you at all or is that really nothing that uh, that shakes you up no I like it um whenever you get a chance to work with a goalie coach who just focuses on that it makes you better and I think like if you go to one goalie coach obviously I'm a, I have a goalie coach I go to in the summer but it's good uh 
when you come into the season and to work with different goalie coach and get different perspective on things. So, I mean, the more people you can work with, the better you're going you're gonna to end up. Go ahead. Now, Albie says he's a chirper and, and kind of a, a prankster. What kind of personality do you bring to this squad? Oh, I'm probably the opposite of that. I'm definitely not <laughs> – definitely don't chirp too many people. Um, not a big pranker. I'm kind of a quiet guy. Um, man. But I do like the game. He's probably a little better gamer than me. I've been, I've been working on NHL to try to uh, – just picked up 2012 so I could play them. Xbox or PlayStation? Xbox. You see? So there's another one. There's another one. You said there's nobody left. There's 200 two. in the world. Oh. <laughs> You're saying he's 155 out of 200? Out of 200. That's not a very – wow. Wow. Those are fighting words right there is what that is. Tell me about Saturday. In a game like the, it was, it, it is just – it's wild uh, from every angle, from a broadcast position, from a fan's perspective, from, I'm sure, a goaltending perspective – uh, when you're playing in a game like that, uh, what is going through your mind, or is there really anything going through your mind? Um, a game like that, you probably have more going through your mind um, than other games. It was just a big, it was an exciting game for sure, a lot of back and forth, back and forth play, but yeah, you try to, like you do throughout the season, not get too high or low, because you never know. We were up, what, it was 3-1, I think, and then they came back, and then, mm -hmm. so you kind of, you got to try to stay level, and um, just focus on that next shot, and just try to make that one save, and not look too far ahead uh, to, to the outcome, or what has happened in the few minutes before that. I think there were a lot of uh, fast-beating hearts in the final 10 seconds <laughs> of the uh, game on, on Saturday night as a goaltender watching that as the power play then for, for Greenville began, one of the best in the league. Uh, with that last 10 seconds and the way, although you haven't been here for it, the way the, the games have gone and been so close, was your heart beating fast or were you even worried about the time on the clock? Did you even um, know it was that late? No, you know it's that late. A thing I try to do, you try to not look at how much time's left. You want to be aware of it, but you don't want to play your game around how much time's left. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it's different for, for players. They have to know know how much time's left. But I tried not to really pay attention to that. I knew, well, that game, I definitely knew how much time was left, <laughs> and I knew that uh, they had a lot of guys out there. And our team did good at blocking the shots at the end of the period because I had no idea where the fuck was for the last, like, five <laughs> seconds. Well, it didn't go in the net. That's all that matters, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, the, you're a quiet guy, you say. Now, superstitious is a word that often is thrown around with, with any athlete, but with goalies especially. Uh, is there anything we – I harken back to Patrick Waugh just as an example, not that I'm comparing the two of you, but, but he wouldn't step on any of the lines. He would hop over the blue line. He'd hop over the red line. He wouldn't touch the goal line uh, with his skates, that is. Do you have anything like that as a goalie, or is that something that you don't even worry about? No, that's, I mean, everyone has their, I call it, um, I don't like superstitious, that's just, makes goalie sound weird, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I have a routine that I go through, like, on the game day, you, you have take to, take me through it. Um, well, I don't have anything specific, like, at the day of, I'll nap, I mean, I'll nap a couple hours, I'll, we always have pregame skate, I'll do the same, a couple goalie drills to get my hands going, um, but when I get to the rink, I have, obviously, I have routines, I get, get dressed the same way. Um, and I'll warm up, but I try not to base my whole day around that because you sure. never know. Like you get to the you get to the rink late, and you're worried that you can't do your routine. So I try not to stick to it and have it be something that I have to do every day. 
Well, we wish you the best of luck. We're really happy that you're here with us again, and uh, we wish you the best of success as you move forward. Give it up for Brian Foster, everybody. When we come back, we'll be joined by the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi. This is the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show on the Cyclones Radio Network. This is the Cyclones Radio Network. Welcome back. Our last segment of the night on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. Every Monday night we're here. We'll hope to see you back here again next Monday as we move through and get closer and closer to 2012. We kind of flip-flopped our order today as the head coach of the Cyclones joining us now. Welcome in the man that the show is titled after, head coach Jared Scaldi. Congratulations on a big win Saturday. And uh, I guess before we get into the game itself, uh, I, I kind of brought it up just briefly before you got here about exactly what happened uh, to get a rise out of you, so to speak. <laughs> Ex <Okay>. Explain, uh, <laughs> explain what happened and what uh, discussions were, were were made with our friends, the linesmen. Well, uh, I, I don't know what was said here. I don't know if Abby or Fozzie talked on it or touched on it, but um, you know, it was clearly too many men on the ice. Their bench was even yelling for their guy to get off. Our bench was yelling. And uh, just to happen, the linesman's positioned right there between the two benches and saw the whole thing. The guy that actually was on the ice knew it, there was too many men and sort of just, he didn't even sprint off. He just sort of started skating off knowing I'm, you know, you're busted, I'm caught. <laughs> and so I was yelling too many men, too many men, and he wasn't responding. He actually was pointing and counting and they didn't do anything. So I was like, Jake, you got that call, right? Too many men, he wouldn't respond. I was wait. I thought maybe because we had possession of the puck. Yeah that he was going to wait till they got possession and then blow it down and call it. So I'm like, you got it, right, Jake? And he kept, didn't say anything. And then they got possession and came down the ice the other way. And uh, he just let it go. And then, you know, of course, the play went on, what, for about another minute. And uh, they end up scoring off it, mm -hmm. make it 5-5. Five -five. So uh, I, I just could not believe, like, there's close calls at the bench there all the time that was it too many men or did he catch it? But that was clearly six on five with a player leaving the defensive zone. Yeah right across the neutral zone to get off and he didn't call. So I, I talked to Joe Ernst today and explained the thing to him. And I, I mean, I don't, I still can't uh, come up with why he didn't call that penalty. I, I don't have any idea why, um, you know, he counted the numbers. He saw the guy go off and he still decided not to call it. So uh, um, needless to say, I was pretty frustrated. <laughs> Well, you picked up the points nonetheless, so I guess no harm, no foul in that sense. And uh, I was talking to Abby and to, to Fozzie, who were up here with us to start the show, about just the, the, the feeling, the, the builder, the, the boost that, that this team got from a win like that. And on so many other occasions, those types of games did not go in the Cyclones' favor as a coach and, and, and just as a fan of hockey, getting a chance to watch a game finally go in your favor had to be big for you as well as everyone else. Yeah, I mean, that, that game had some good moments. It had some not-so-good moments for us. And, uh, you know, we had the lead twice and, and, and different things like that. But, uh, you know, to get some scoring from our back end, getting Garrett Suter involved and uh, Chris Reed scoring his first uh, professional goal was, uh, was nice to see. And then, of course, you know, Anthony Luciani has gotten better and better, and he's just... Uh, a guy that, um, you know, he is a game-breaker type guy. When a game is tight like that, he's a guy that can make a difference. And, uh, you know, to see him scoot down the left side there and uh, backhand that top shelf was pretty uh, pretty exciting. And, uh, you know, the room was pretty, pretty you know, after the game was very, very uh, loud. And um, guys were excited for that, uh, that win. Now, all band did not see the celebration. Did you? No. You got to go back and look. It's on CyclonesHockey.com right now. Just go look at the highlights. Of course, it's one of the last things on that highlight package. One of the funnier celebrations I've seen all year. This is Lucha's celebration. Lucha's game-winning goal celebration <laughs> with a buck twenty-six to go. 
pretty All funny. Right, I'll have to check it out. Did uh, Avi just say anything to him yet? No, he hasn't even seen no, it. No, he hasn't seen it yet. He hasn't seen it. Well, once Avi sees it, it'll be all over. Yeah, so. it's going to be funny. It's going to be funny to see his reaction when he, when he finally does. Uh, I, I was mentioning the story this morning. Uh, you and I were in the uh, office. You had actually gotten the call on our way back from the practice rink. Uh, you were driving separately than me. You got the cell phone call that Daniel Coger was going to be making his first ever trip to the American Hockey League. I kind of told the story from my perspective. Tell the story about him getting called up from yours. I mean, it's, it's great. You always have, uh, I mean, obviously throughout the course of a season, you have a lot of guys get called up and you're happy for guys and some are more excited than others. And, uh, you know, some guys are in more frustrating situations where they've been called up and down, up and down, and they know they're only going for a game. But, uh, you know, I, I got a call last night from St. John's um, uh, head coach just asking about Koger, what I thought about him. And then this morning got a call from the assistant GM of the Winnipeg Jets to uh, call him up. So uh, it was pretty exciting knowing that this was Daniel, something that he really wanted to do. And uh, uh, so it was exciting to tell him on the phone. I, I, I didn't know if he was in tears or I didn't know what he was. Uh, he was so excited. And then he had to come down to get his equipment and do some paperwork before he could uh, get on a plane to fly up to Toronto and then to St. John's, Newfoundland. And uh, he, uh, he, he was absolutely ecstatic. Nick was in the office there. And, um, you know, those are those good moments when a guy gets called up is uh, – He's just genuinely so excited and, and, and just happy to get going. And he, at that point, even then, I told him he was going up to the American League. He needs to come down, get his gear, sign a contract. He didn't even know where he was going. So when he got to the rink, he was like, where am I flying to? Like, who am I playing for? <laughs> and I was, you know, so St. John's Ice Caps, you're going to Newfoundland, which is an experience in itself. <laughs> um, for a young Hungarian to be up there, but uh, uh, he's uh, he was really excited. It was a great moment to to tell him and to see the excitement on his face. And uh, he's going to play tomorrow night. He's going to play Wednesday night. Uh, Syracuse Crunch are up there right now, and uh, he's going to get a great opportunity. So uh, we're excited for Daniel, and uh, hopefully things work out for him. And it's amazing too the shuffling that you've had to do now, and uh, with every positive of a call up or. or you know, anything that goes along with that, uh, there's always kind of a, a drawback in the sense that you lose one of your better players of late, and it certainly it's it's always tough to, to play that chess game. How are you planning on doing that at this stage, although at, at any given day that anything could happen from Sendown's perspective, but uh, what do you have on the game plan for this week with, with him out of the lineup potentially? Well, it'll be announced tomorrow. Jonathan Hazen's going to be re uh, sent down from San Antonio, so we'll get uh, Hazy for the weekend. Um, you know, that that's not, uh, you know nice to add, add him. We still need to go, um, you know, get some bodies and get some guys in there, not just guys to fill in. I mean, we're in a situation here where, you know, a, a trade is obviously very difficult because, uh, you know, nobody really gives up too much for nothing, and we don't really want to give up anybody we have uh, at this point. So, you know, there's some things out there going on. There's some guys I know coming back from Europe, but, you know, you got to make sure you get the guy in the right frame, uh, frame of mind. And, uh um, you know, we have three, four days here to figure out who we're bringing in and make sure that we have uh, the best lineup possible for uh, Friday night in Toledo. We have time for a few questions. If you want to ask the coach anything, now is your chance. If you want to come up and ask him about Toledo's series, if you want to ask him about the roster or anything, it's your chance now. If you want to come up and ask, you can. Uh, I guess give us a quick scouting report on the wall. I know much has changed since we saw them the last time. Uh, and again, it's just one of those things where all of a sudden, some teams just get hot quickly. Toledo is one of those teams that has really kind of taken lift off of late. And in their building, they're always tough. Friday, a good kickoff to a big weekend in division games, uh, not only for this team, but Chicago and Kalamazoo as well. Tell me about what you can do differently this time as opposed to last. Because you had a good, what, 58 minutes uh, of, of game on, uh, what was it, a week or so ago. 
what's going to change this week in your well, estimation? It's an exciting building to play, and it's uh, it's such a great uh, great facility. And uh, I know every time we're up there, it seems to be a great game, and, yeah. and things happen and stuff. I mean, I think for us, our group is just staying focused, staying focused for that 60 minutes. And, uh, you know, we've played well against them. We've had some success against them, but it's a matter of uh, we do get the lead. Uh, you know, not, not just saying the right things, but make sure that we're, uh, we're out there, uh, you know, taking care of the details. Got a question from Bailey. Bailey is here. Hello. Hi, Bailey. Hi. Um, in your games, do you have, is there left-hand advantages? Like, is there more left-hand players that are good and then, or right-hand players? Like? Uh, that, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I'm not even sure what our breakdown is. Uh, uh, I think we're pretty split down the middle right now where we are. Sometimes a team has more left-handers and right-handers, but... Uh, there, there is a, there is a, I wouldn't say an advantage, but there is something different with goaltending where, um, you know, lefties have a place to shoot on a goalie that's more natural for them to shoot on as is right-handers, you know, generally are shooting over a goalie's gloves. So, um, I'd like to say right-handers have a bit of an advantage, uh, at times, depending on where they're shooting from the ice. But, uh, uh, one thing that's important is also to have left-handed and right-handed centermen for face-offs. So that, that is something that, uh, uh, as coaches and as, as general managers, you want to make sure that you don't have all left-handed centermen. You want to make sure you have a split there because taking draws on your backhand is a lot easier. As a defenseman, some guys can't play their offside, which means if you're a left-handed defenseman, some guys aren't so good playing a right, right, uh, right D. So um, you want to make sure you have a nice mix of left-handed defensemen and right-handed defensemen. So uh, forwards can generally play either side. Like Daniel Koger is a left shot, but he prefers to play the right side. So, um, you know, it's just all circum uh, situational and stuff, but, uh, you know, to be, uh, which one's better? Wayne Gretzky was a lefty, huh. Mario Lemieux was a righty. So, but good question, Bailey. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Rob, go ahead. Let's go back to uh, Saturday. Uh, first thing, because I, I, mean, I don't know if anybody's been on the bench, but it's kind of tight down there. And when you did your scaldy stump or whatever it was, you did a little 360 action. You said, Albie likes to chirp. And he said he got some chuckles out of it. You guys were able to win. Yeah. Did uh, any good impersonations the next day, or did anybody say anything to you in the locker room afterwards? No, I haven't seen these guys. We gave them, uh, we gave them the day off and stuff, so I actually haven't seen uh, too many of the guys here over the last couple days. So I'm sure uh, uh, we'll recap some things tomorrow when we get together with our, with our limited numbers. Tomorrow will be an interesting day. With uh, I think we're going to have uh, 14, 14 skaters in practice mm -hmm. and two goalies. The, the Knoxville guys went back. We may have to do some of bringing them back for the weekend and unless we see what we can do leading up to the weekend. But I'm sure we'll hear some things tomorrow, Rob. Plenty more stuff to come this week. We hope to see you on Saturday night for Throwback Night. In addition, it'll also be our teddy bear toss, so bring a, a new or gently loved, as we call it, stuffed teddy bear to throw on the ice. All the proceeds of that will go to uh, the Cincinnati Police Department as they'll try to help those victims for uh, all of their runs and try to give the, the children, those uh, that are involved in accidents or fires or, or crimes, something to kind of comfort them during their, uh, their services. So we hope to see you there. And as we move through, we'll talk with you next Monday and on Friday night before all of our pregame show action begins. We'll hit the air on uh, Friday night on the Cyclones Radio Network beginning at 645, and we'll hope to see you Saturday. Thanks again for being with us. Thanks see you a lot, right guys. Back here next Monday night.